All right, time for your Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso with Dookie Lang. Clay is uh, is uh, on such a high from All-Star Weekend <laughs> that he can't take it. He's, he, it's so much fun with heat fever and all the stuff that happened that uh, that he's off today. But Dookie and I will get you covered, getting you ready for the final 28-game push of the regular season for the Miami Heat. And they enter this portion of the schedule on a, uh, you know, on this high of All-Star Weekend where I think Dookie, the NBA got a sense of why Heat fans who are so vocal about, hey, this team is fun and you've got to see how cool we are. We could be, we can compete in the East and all this stuff that Heat fans have been, we've been talking about for months. Yep. And the NBA has kind of been like, eh, you know, eh, fine, Jimmy Butler. He seems to find a home. Bam Adebayo seems like a nice player. But you're starting to see the pieces of why this team has been so good here, you know, what, 35 and 19, 54 games into the season. But all around, All-Star Weekend was a major win for the Miami Heat organization. I think the NBA kind of whiffed on the Miami Heat heading into the season, wouldn't you say? Uh, just I in terms a lot of, of a lot of us did. I think it's fair to say we all kind of. Whiffed, well, I, but know? but more I, so I didn't in think terms they'd be of this good. But just in terms of like schedules, for example, in oh, terms of true. national you know, prominent games, you don't want to see Derrick Jones Jr. flying through the air on a on an afternoon game. There's you know? a million Warriors yeah. games, and their entire team is hurt. There's a million Pelicans games, which until Zion came back was not exactly a great idea. And so here's a team in the East that is super entertaining and has a lot of really good, compelling storylines. And so All-Star Weekend, Bam Adebayo, who is, I don't think, a, a, a secret anymore. The Zach Lowe article came out, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the profile of Bam and his mom and their relationship, which is well documented here in South Florida, but sort of put Bam into the yeah, national I'm prominence. Glad it did too. That, which was a fantastic. And yeah. then Bam goes out and wins the skills competition. Derek Jones Jr. goes out and wins the slam dunk contest. One of the most exciting contests in years with yeah. all the controversy and, so, and all the silliness, but it was still a great display. Exactly. And so they they were wearing the vice jerseys. I mean, little details of. The reason Riley was there. Pat Riley, yes. legacy still there. Dwayne was a meme. The the whole yeah. like all, everything oh, about Duncan Robinson was there. I know he didn't do well. Yeah, no, three Duncan points, tr- but... he didn't do terribly. Nineteen isn't a horrible score, but yeah, it, you know, it was his first one. Kendrick Nunn was in the rookie game. Yeah, Tyler Hero was in the rookie points, game. Yeah. By the way, did you notice the seats that they had on All Star Saturday night? That you had Nunn and Hero and Udonis right there in the front row, and Myers Leonard Myers was, was there. Was there? So I feel like all. everybody yeah. got a taste of. This team and their closeness and the way they pull for each other and the success and some of the talent that we have been following in South Florida that maybe nationally they've been slept on. But, well, I think they like it that way. I, I do, too. But I think that they also like that they got the attention finally. Because I think they've been kind of been, okay, sleep on us, sleep on us, sleep on us. But now there's only 28 games left in the regular season. I think their message this weekend was, don't sleep on us too long because we're coming. We're coming. I mean, they're clearly a playoff team. The question is where they're seated. Now, here is the... <laughs> this is <laughs> where, it. you know, where you got to get a little... Not negative, Isn't that but, my job to yeah, uh, derail? Yeah, sure. Usually... Because when you one. said the final 28, I was going to start singing Europe's The Final Count. Down. Yes, uh, which would have de- and I thought to my, derailed. and I thought to myself that would derail the pod uh, less uh, well, than a minute in. I, I, so I figure I wait till the three thirty mark. Three minutes in, I'm, yeah. I'm about to sort of derail, mm-hmm. not right, derail, go. but sort of detour the pod, and that's through all the greatness of All Star Weekend. And we can certainly touch more on the stuff, but I think as this pod is more moving forward on what is to come now, and what is to come is a 28 game push for seeding, a 28 push for camaraderie and connection with the new players, and and getting comfortable, and then. 
hitting your stride and playing your best basketball in the playoffs, which I think the Miami Heat can do. But here is the part where the negativity comes, and that's the Heat have shown there, there's been a, a, a little bit, I think, of reality hit on some of the areas this team has deficiencies. They're not perfect. We get that. They're great shooters. They're great. They get to, they get along great. They play with great energy. The ball moves well. I mean, this is a fun team to watch. There are some defensive issues that have come to light before the All-Star break that are that are going to get fixed in the, in this final push. There are some issues, I think, with with. You know, you already had issues with turnovers, but the issue with who is your other score in certain moments outside when Jimmy is either not on or not playing or whatever it may be, things that you know other teams will look to exploit. And through all, I guess what I'm trying to say, Dookie, is that through all the fun of the Heat, and man, have they been fun, and through all the surprises of the Heat, and man, have they been surprising, and through all the time that the NBA finally is now realizing how good this Heat team can be. They can also be a team that loses in the first round of the playoffs, given the structure of the Eastern Conference, if they don't finish this strong and get better seeding. Because if it's 4-5 against Philly, or even 3-6 against Indy, those are tough matchups for a first round. That's really like a second round matchup in the first round, despite being a 50-plus win team. Well, that's what they're going to get. The chances of them catching Toronto the way Toronto has been playing, I think I think it's... I think an, Boston's catchable. Boston's got a tough schedule, and the Heat have a very easy schedule right, on paper. Right, yes. I, I I agree with you. Toronto's going to be tough to but catch. But what I think is interesting to me about the Heat and the stretch run is we haven't seen what this Heat team is going to be. Bingo. We are this far into the season. We have not seen the new acquisitions who got in towards the end of a long West Coast trip. They got when in Jimmy was hurt. When Jimmy yeah. was hurt. So that West Coast Tyler trip. Tyler was hurt. Myers was and, hurt. And for people who thought, and this isn't an excuse, this is a reality. Anybody who thinks that any NBA team in any season goes through the entire 82-game regular season without hitting a few potholes... It's an unrealistic so their first three-game losing streak of the season, and so plus games in. They had a five-game West Coast trip. Jimmy got hurt the first game. The trade deadline came and went. Justice Winslow came and went. And they have some adversity. I think the break came at a good time. They regroup. I agree with they you. They play one game on Thursday. Then Saturday, they return home. They get Dwayne Wade, all the emotion of his retirement ceremony. Then, boom, they have a bunch of easy home games, okay, where they've been dominant for the first part of the season. But... The regular season is not what this team is built for, especially if you're talking about a Pat Riley-constructed roster. So I want to see how this whole thing comes together. Tyler Hero's been out for a while. That's a lot of shooting that they're missing out on, okay? Myers Leonard has been out. How are they going to work him? How are they going to work in Andre Iguodala? Jay Crowder's been great. Is he going to continue to be great in that role? What's his role going to be? I think defensively, and you mentioned the defensive lapses, the issue is very clear with their defense, okay? They are not closing out on three-point shooters, period. That is their biggest problem. The NBA is a league where you want to knock down threes, and the Heat have been giving up too many. And that is something that showed itself throughout the West Coast trip, has been a, has been a problem throughout the season for the mm-hmm. Heat, and they got to get better at it. So, the, so, one, so before the trade deadline, okay, what the Heat were doing was playing zone a lot. Now, why do you play zone? You play zone because you can't guard man-to-man. That's why you play zone. You play zone if a guy's in foul trouble. You want to hide him. You play zone. You, you play zone if you... A bit, especially if the other team isn't a shooting team. And if you don't have good... If you have an individual defender who can't get the job done, then you make it a collective effort. You make it zone. Well, the Heat now have regrouped their roster where when the playoffs start and they're using a lineup like Jimmy Butler, Bam, Andre Iguodala, 
there's no zone. Those guys are guarding man to man. Well, you Jay already Crowder. noticed the final couple games before the All Star break, there was very little zone. Used. I think this. I think yeah. the zone's going to go away. I think. Yeah. I think it was. I think it'll it was a, a band aid used in spurts. I think it was a band aid that they used before, and I think the players. Frankly, I think that the players who they're trying to protect in the zone, that come playoff time, Spo's going to tighten that bench. And if he, if you can't defend in playoff time, you're not going to get minutes. I think it's that simple. Well, and I think that's why health is so important because yeah. right now Spo hasn't really had much choice. Exactly. I mean, there are moments if Duncan isn't playing well defensively, you know, you don't have other options. When Tyler comes back, you have shooting options. And let's not forget Kendrick Nunn really struggled for the break. I'm hoping that All Star Weekend and that going back to Chicago and having that nice Rising Stars game will get him going again because he has not been very good the last couple of weeks. And and again, you mentioned about. Now not having potholes. I mean, in a rookie season for a young guy who came out of nowhere Absolutely. and won three straight Eastern Conference Player Rookie of the Month awards, you're going to have a, a downturn. And this has been absolutely it for him. And, and it's not just a question of if you're going to hit a rookie wall. Every rookie hits the rookie wall. The question is, what do you do once you hit a rookie yeah, wall? Can, How do you regroup? Yeah. And, and the fact that he hit the rookie wall right before the break, again, he gets a week off, clear his head. You mentioned go home, have a nice Rising Stars game, get to see and be around the best players in the world. Maybe there's some inspiration. But when he's scoring, he's valuable to the lineup. If he can't shoot on a game when he's going 0 for 8, 0 for 7, he's going to be sitting. They're, the minutes, well, it, the, the it minutes will come eventually. The, the yeah. bench is going to get shorter and shorter and shorter. During the road trip, you saw Spolster with a lot of patience. Why? Because he didn't have the parts yet. Once those parts get healthier, it's going yeah. to get more competitive. And, and, by the way, and that makes them a better team. It does. And, and by the way, the hope is, and we, we talk as certainties that everything's going to be okay. Look, injuries happen. I mean, there could be another injury that comes from now to the final game of the season. We know that. We've seen it over the years. Guys get hurt. The hope is that the Heat can be healthy with Iguodala, Crowder, and these newcomers, with Tyler Hero and Duncan in the shooting, with Kendrick playing better, obviously with Jimmy and Bam leading the way, with Goran being that super sixth man, Myers Leonard doing a little of everything and being that big guy. This is a good roster. By the way, speaking of good, there's no place better. And our sponsor today, Vera Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida, the best service. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. I think this Heat roster, when you look at it with the new additions and the way, especially the way Crowder's played, and if Kendrick and Tyler can get anywhere close to their first half of the season form, which, you know, when you look at the injury situation as we begin this week and and taping this pod, uh, Tyler, it's likely he's back right around that first game against Atlanta Thursday. Uh, if not this weekend for the Wade game. I think there's a general optimism that he will be back. Myers Leonard, I would expect, doesn't play this week, and the hope is that maybe he returns next week. Uh, but again, that's to be determined on how he feels and the treatment, all things, and you know no one's going to work harder to get back. But this push, this roster, the way it's set up, to the points you made about the defense, to the points we've already made about the shooters, unless you're Colin Coward. Uh, you know. <laughs> well, I mean... How does that? You know, my only thing about the Colin Cowherd, because that went, kind of went viral. He had that take where he said, well, the Heat have two all-stars, but they're the only ones who shoot. By the way, Jimmy and Bam aren't the Heat shooters, right? Not, well, uh, the he, Bam, Bam sure looks like Right, well, yes. Yeah, but, but, you know, my only problem, and I saw a bunch of Heat fans putting that on Twitter and retweeting it. And 
I don't think a take like that even deserves oxygen. I'm I really do. I was one of those who felt who took the bait because I don't. I don't. It's I, like why even? Why is that somebody I? I don't know him personally, and I don't really listen to him. Or, yeah, he's not a guy that over the years. And it's not because I don't like him. I just he, he's just not one of those people that's been on my radar. I, you know me. I'm not a big listener to talk sports radio, so he's not someone I've really listened to or watched. But when he made that take, it just came across as someone who's just either you're trying to pull a skip Bayless and you're just trying to anger people and trying to start start that, which I get. That's part of that 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 style of 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 radio and TV. Or you really just haven't watched a game or, or looked at stats because the one thing that he can do is shoot. I mean, I mean it's one of those things where I just to talk about Colin Cowherd for a second, he's he's not a dumb guy, but he kind of does that WWE heel turn, skip Bayless, sort of get attention okay. sort of thing. But also, when you're a national guy, there's a lot of teams to cover. Just say you don't watch Heat games. Well, I say, like, look, just, I say just all the say, time. Just when, say they're not on TV. Yeah. Say I'm a national guy. They've been on national TV twice. I see they're in the middle of the standings in the East. I know Jimmy Butler's a great player. I'm, I'd be interested to see more. Done. Yeah, I bet on the flip side, it works the same. We're local. We're local guys, and yeah. you know, I cover the NBA a lot. But I mean, when you look, if you tell me right now, give me a breakdown of you know some random. Tell me know, about the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, you know, every defensive aspect. Yeah. yeah, or or even go you know to another sport. Talk about football or you know some team I don't really watch, like the Houston Texans. I mean, I, I catch one of their games a year, and it ends up being the playoff game that they, they you know that they lose. On local ten every year. Yeah, we say they're winning, but, but you know the, the bottom line is you you don't have to know about every sport just because you talk sports you can you can look even the panthers like when i talk about hockey i always defer a bit to those who know more than david I do. dwork and his yeah. uh cats uh chirping with the cats chirping yeah, the cats podcast. Job, podcast you guys should yeah. listen yeah point is you don't have to go there so where we're going now and talking about this team is there are deficiencies we touched on that earlier but i think the strengths outweigh the deficiencies and if there's anything that eric spolstra can find when he has the roster he likes is finding a way to play and get his team to play to those strengths. So what do I expect in the final 28 games? I think I expect a lot of Jimmy Butler, obviously. I think you expect a lot of confidence and play from Bam, a lot of double-doubles. I think you ex- you start to see a Heat team that while shooting and pace and space and ball movement is important, I think you're going to see a Heat team where that energy now is going to be more effective and shown more on defense. And despite losing a couple of those games, even after the trade on that road trip before the All-Star break, you started to see signs. I think fatigue was an issue in, in late in games, but yep. I think you're starting to see signs that when everyone's there and they play with that energy and what Iguodala brings and what Crowder brings and what Butler and Bam, the lockdown ability defensively in big moments, I think you see why Heat fans should be excited that this could be a team that not only wins a series... But they can win a second series, and I think realistically it gets to the Eastern Conference Finals. I pose this question to you as a Heat fan and someone who covers them and someone who's, who watches all their games, and I think Heat fans who are listening are, are knowledgeable enough to give their take as well as you listen. Where in the postseason, the Heat getting eliminated, will it be no longer where you're disappointed and feel it was a bad ending. Obviously, look, we all want to get this team to the finals and win a championship. I get that. But let's let's let out of a dream world and let's just think of reality. Where would the Heat have to advance for you to say, damn, that was a good season? Well, I would okay. I'm gonna hedge a little bit. No hedging. I would say 
it was a fun season regardless. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed this team. That goes without so, saying. So, we, we get that. I, I want to get that out there. I think I think they need to win one series. And I think it'd be most fun if it were Philadelphia because of the rivalry and the smack talk and the fact that Jimmy Butler. I kind of want that matchup. I, I, would enjoy, I would greatly enjoy to see the Heat and the Sixers and for the Heat to win. If the Heat can get by the Sixers, that's great. If the Heat are the four seed and lose to Milwaukee in the second round and they lose to Giannis Antetokounmpo, what are you going to do? I think cry, but but I mean uh, that's that's the reality of of the uh, that's the draw. That's the way. I am so, by the way with you. I so think you gotta me, win me, a series. So I I do think they have to win a series. I think Pat Riley, <laughs> the I think will this the answer to this question goes back to the trade deadline for me. When the Heat made the move that they made, and there was the Adrian Wojnarowski tweet where he said, Pat, Woj. I know, but I wanted to try to do the whole name. I just did Antetokounmpo. I couldn't do Woj. Woj. So anyway, when Woj had the tweet that Pat Riley is in it and he wants to get Iguodala and he wants to get Gallinari, I started rubbing my hands together like, hey, 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 hey. We all did. We're in business here. All of a sudden, and here, the triple, <laughs> he basically, Pat Riley basically hit a triple, okay? The trade was a triple in my mind. He always aims for a grand slam. He came close. The fact that they cleared the books the way that they cleared the books, the the money that they freed up for next season and the year after was brilliant. The bad contracts that they got rid of, getting rid of Deion Waiters, getting rid of James Johnson. How many times did we talk about some of the bad contracts that the Heat were weighed down in? Moving on from Justice Winslow with the injury questions, what they got rid of was so important for this franchise. Mm -hmm. Agree. What they got back was quality. Andre Iguodala is smart. Andre Iguodala's intellect, his basketball IQ, is going to make every every other player on the floor with him. Mm-hmm. During games, during practices, he affects winning the way Draymond Green affects winning. People underestimate how important. And this is a three-time champion, former finals MVP. We saw it when they played Golden State, the amount of respect he got in that building. Andre Godala was a huge addition. Jay Crowder has been awesome. I don't think he's going to keep shooting like this, but he's been awesome. Well, dude, what in this system? He, he, I don't he know, is, not he's, 70%, but I he's mean. He's a guy who you hate playing. He's a pain. He's oh, yeah. a pain. He's, di- he's, he's diving. He's got. He, he's kind of got like a young heat he, DNA is what we call it. He's got like a young As heat. Eric Reed said, he's <laughs> oozing heat DNA. He, he, he oozes heat DNA. He's got like a young UD kind of vibe. Just, just a pain, defensively a pain, diving for loose balls, grabbing rebounds. I think all of that was Riley going all in. I think Gallinari, if they had gotten Gallinari, to me, I'm, I'm saying they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. And Bucks better be ready. That that's, that's what I thought at the trade deadline. When they didn't get Gallinari, I went, all right, so they're going to win one series this year and then next year get to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's what I thought. And then the year after, get Giannis and go to the Finals. That That's where my brain went. I went, Riley went for the home run. He'll settle for the triple. They'll get something else next year, and then the year after, forget it. Because this whole scene, if you think about where we are right now, just the idea, and if you think back to some of the- That's a long answer for just uh, where do you need to get to. Well, if you think back to some (laughs) of the podcasts we were doing, that's a podcast. This is a long, long (laughs) forum. But if you think back to some of the- Where did the heat need to get- Four scores seven (laughs) years ago, my- David gives a dissertation on the state of well, no. I, if you think back, I, I, to, by the way, I agree with you. I but think if winning you think, a series is is a successful season. But if you look back, 
to where we were at the beginning of the year. Let's go back to some of our summer podcasts when we were saying, man, they're stuck with all these contracts. No, no, How no. are they going to get? Re- I mean, go back even further when they had Tyler Johnson and James Johnson oh, and Dion Waiters and yeah, Hassan yeah, Whites. Yeah, yeah. no, this team was so weighed down. And I think what made it clear All-Star Weekend is this is a team that's on the rise. To me, to validate that direction that they're going, they need to win a playoff series. I get, so to, to your point, and which, you know, a lot. It's my long-winded said, point. You said a lot to say a little, and this is, which I get. I know you said there was a lot in there to, to take in, but I think the bottom line is I agree with you. I think they have to win a series. I think if they don't win a series, if they go to the playoffs and lose in six games to whoever, Indy, Philly, whatever, you would think it's one of those teams that they'll play in the first round. At this point, it almost seems obvious they'll play Indy or Philly in the first round. Now, technically, I guess they could sneak up to that two and, and play a Brooklyn or something, but uh, it most likely will be they're the three or the four or even the five. And yeah. but you're still playing the four, and you're playing one of those teams. Which, by the way, I, I think they're you know they're, they're excellent matchups. I mean, they 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 what what they beat they won the season series this year against the Sixers already. Yep. And I know the Sixers are the Sixers are the kind of team that unless they get really hot shooting wise, and they did pick up some shooters before the deadline. But that's a team that I like the Heat matching up against. Now, if Embiid goes nuts and he's a presence inside, yeah, that that could be a pain. But I do think that that's a good matchup. And Indy's a weird matchup for them. It's, it's strange. The Pacers actually have been worse since Oladipo came back. But you got to figure that he'll get more comfortable and they'll they'll be better down the stretch and into the postseason. The bottom line is that there are – the Heat are – you can say the Heat are better than Philly and Indy, right? And no one will think you're crazy. Or you could say that Indy and Philly might be a little better than the Heat and no one will think you're really crazy. So there's, there's not enough distance there between all those teams – that makes you feel good that the first round is a given. That the I'll first you, round is, t- is is a given victory. It wouldn't shock. I don't think even the most diehard Heat fan wouldn't be shocked if the Heat lost in the first round to one of those teams. I I just don't. And look, I'm a homer. I cover the team. I work broadcast for the team. You could go down the list of reasons why I want the Heat to advance, but it wouldn't shock me if they didn't. That's why these final 28 games are so important to the continuity, to the understanding of what it's going to take. Now, do you know why I feel good that they'll win a first round series at least? Why is that? Potentially go to the Eastern Conference Finals, but at least sticking with the first round theory. Is these guys buy in? There's nobody over there patting themselves on the back right now, saying, "Oh, we're better than anyone." They all understand the conversation we're having and believe that conversation. They feel they're as good as anyone, but understand that that's not a given that they're better than everyone. And they will keep working. They will buy and dispose. Way Jimmy Butler's not going to let anyone let their guard down. And they've all taken. You know, we talk so much about Jimmy Butler's style, right? And the 3:30 wake-up calls and all that stuff. All that stuff doesn't matter anymore. You know why? Because you got a team full of Jimmy Butlers now. Yep. They all buy into the same theory. They're all getting up early. They're all playing for each other. They're all rooting for each other. That's You mentioned the, the courtside at All-Star Weekend. That part of the equation they have bought in. They are all in on this roster, on each other, on Eric Spolstra, on the belief that they together can beat anyone. Now they just got to go do it. And I think the additions of Iguodala and Crowder are a big part of now having to be able to do that. I keep saying Final 28. Got to get this Final 28, you know, Let's say 20 and 8. Lock up at least that four seed. Three seed would be great. Two seed seems unlikely at this point. And go into the playoffs with some nice momentum and win that first round series and go from there. I mean, that's that's the key right now. The thing about Philly, we talk about what's the distance between Philly, Indiana, and the Heat. I'll tell you why Philly, to me, is the matchup that I would want for the Heat. Besides, it's a bit of a rivalry and all that. I think Philly is weak where the Heat are strong, which is between the ears. I think I think That's a good point. The one thing that makes this Heat team special is they're not going to make the mental errors. They have that toughness you talked about. Pat, uh, Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra talk about grit. 
This Heat team has grit. That Philadelphia team, as talented as they are, they are a mess. They are, is it Simmons? Is it Embiid? Who wants to be traded? Who's in whose Instagram comments? There's a Kardashian involved. They're just a circus. The Heat are all business. If you give me a team that's all business and a team that's a circus and they go head to head, give me the team that's all business. I'm, uh, as I'm checking uh, stuff here on the Heat, I'm watching Derek Jones Jr. stuff. I, I hit the audio. That's okay. So what, what, that's was, a, that's what was he doing? Dunking. Okay. Yeah. He's good at that. I, I was reading something on it, and, and the bottom line with Derek is, boy, what a great weekend. But the bottom line is, you're right. I mean, and that's the thing. I, I, I look at this roster, and I think of all the points we've made, right, and the, and the shedding of salary and the moving around of money and the big contracts and the additions that they've made, the Heat are in such a better place right now post-All-Star break than I think anyone, any one of us, even the biggest homers, could have envisioned they'd be in. Like, they're better on the court, 35 and 19 heading into this Final 28. They're better in excitement. We saw All-Star Weekend, all the all the uh, incredible stuff we saw, the, the winning competitions, the fun stuff, the dunks, the three points, the, the bam, the all-around players. They're better in structure as far as what's next with the availability next summer to make moves, more so the following summer to make moves and getting in the sweepstakes for whoever is available. The Heat have really no limitations, which is why I guess you go back to say Pat Riley is smarter than all of us for many reasons when it comes, especially I mean when it comes to basketball. <laughs> Pat's a smart guy in general, but when he said there are obstacles, but there are no obstacles, a lot of people laughed. A lot of people said, hey, old man, what are you talking about? What do you mean there are? And, and we kind of got what he said, but I think in the end, we're kind of like Pat. I mean, there are obstacles. I mean, hello, Deion Waiters. Hello, James Johnson. Hello, contracts. Hello, all this stuff that you got going on. And now we look and those obstacles are gone. That's it. They're gone. And Pat was right. I mean, it's kind of like back in the day when Jordan used to play and people, ah, Jordan can't pull this game out. And then all of a sudden Jordan, I mean, when you talk about legends and people who have built incredible reputations, and I don't think it's out of school to compare Pat Riley's record as no, an NBA executive executives to, to, yeah. to, I mean, he's got, uh, what, 11 or 12 total rings between a player, a coach, an executive. He put himself in a terrible corner. I don't think anybody no would one dispute that. And neither would he, by the and way. He, and, and I think the narrative is pretty simple. When LeBron left, he got spooked. I mean, that that's basically what happened. Well, Chris and, got sick, too. And then, and and then Chris got life. sick, which was... There, there, There's a lot of things that happened. Okay, everybody gets bad breaks, and you got to deal with them. And he dealt with them, and he made some bad decisions. But in the last year, the amount of good decisions that he's made, there's just good mojo that the combination of mojo, money, and bam... Honestly, everybody talks about Jimmy as a recruiting tool. You watch the players around the league, the way they respond to BAM, the direction that the game is going. I mean, we saw the skills competition. A guy who's, what, 6'11", has handles like that, can pass like that, can shoot like that. That's where the game well, is did going. Well, you see in the, in the Zach Lowe, right? The, yeah, the, Zach uh, Lowe. Yep. And this is something that I was told by the Heat a while ago, and, and it always caught my attention. And Zach's article touched on that a bit. I had talked to people about, you know, what was it about Bam? Because I remember draft night when yeah. Bam got drafted. We've I think we even talked about the pod. I was off that night. I was in Key West vacationing, enjoying myself, but I wanted to see the Heat selected. So at dinner, I stepped away from dinner and went to the bar where they had a TV on, and I watched the Heat 
pick. And I saw, and I had in passing heard of Bam Adebayo. Oh, and you know, you're a much bigger college basketball fan and viewer than I am. I had, oh yeah, that he's like the third wheel on Kentucky, right? Like yeah. he wasn't even like the star, you know what I mean? Like he's, yeah. he's a very good player, obviously. He was a big recruit. He went to Kentucky, one and done. Obviously you have skills. But I thought, what could the Heat, wow, what did the Heat see in him? And a big man, you know, where does that fit in with Hassan and what's going on with the team? Yeah. You know what? I, in my mind, I'm like, look, I'm not going to doubt Pat Riley. You take your shots in the draft, but I didn't think he was that impactful of a player to this level. And then, in, so as Bam started improving in year one, he got a little playing time as the year went on. Year two, you saw the steps, and obviously now he's an all-star. The thing I was always told, and it's kind of to Zach's point, was we brought him in and we brought another big man in who ended up getting drafted, uh, drafted high. And we looked at Bam, and what Bam did was Bam was relentless. Bam was, I want more. What more can I do? No, no, I want to do more. Let's, I'll be there. You come, you told me to come in at nine. I'll be there at 857, sweating already, ready to go. Like, and they looked at each other and they said, my goodness, this guy's not only talented, he's us. Yeah. He's exactly the maniac that we are because yeah. let's face it, the heater maniacs. I mean, yeah. Eric Spolster's a maniac. Pat Riley's a maniac. And that, and being maniacal like that and having that kind of, of passion and, and determination is not for everyone. It's not, no matter how talented you are. It's not for Justice Winslow. It, it, not for a lot of guys. I mean, you could pinpoint Justice, really not for a lot of guys. But, speci- but well, just but, to so another first round pick, so, yeah. so when Bam comes in, he does that. They love him. They fall in love with him. They, they see this. And now he becomes the player he's become. And you heard, and I remember then a year later, we had Bam in studio. And how's your offseason going? Good. You know, what do you do? He was a 21-year-old kid at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I work out. Uh, then you know, go home, grab some lunch, maybe uh, play a little video game, get some rest, and go work out again later. You know, you've been going out much. You going to go on vacation? No, no, I'm gonna go see, spend some time with my mom. You know, and spend time with my mom, and that's it. Uh, ain't fun. I mean, you, no, no. So literally, at 21 years old, with the world in his hands, in the city of Miami, Bam works out twice a day, rest, plays video game, and spends time with his mom. I mean, that's what he does. That's what he was doing. And you look at that and said, that is. That's what the Heat want. The Heat can't wait till the next time he's on the court and can get better, and that's so rare, and that's why he's become the star he's become. And again, if you haven't read Zach's article, it, it, it kind of it highlights a lot of these little things into a piece that gives you a real idea of what Bam Adebayo's about. It sort of connects his biography, his background, growing up with his mom and watching his mom struggle into his inspiration yeah. and how he's hyper-focused on helping his mom out in life. They live in the same building, and that's basically Bam. And and during his workouts, he was cursing at guys, bring this guy on, bring that guy on. He wanted a challenge. And Pat Riley said, he's UD, he's Zoe, he's Dwayne Wade, he is Heat Culture. So to me, that has also expedited the rebuild. So for as many bad contracts as the Heat got, they've made up for it with all these good contracts. Bam is essentially a max player Bam, on a rookie yeah, and, contract. And he will get his. And he's, uh, and he, he's gonna get and he, paid. And Bam's yeah. going to be a max player. Tyler Hero looks like he's going to be an effective rotation player. How about player. Duncan Robinson? Duncan Robinson, yeah, he's, he's got a, a G huge contract. Yeah, and the shooting. I mean, he's one of the best shooters in the league. I mean, statistically, you look at what he does. I mean, he's he's an incredible player. So what the Heat have been able to develop is fun. Uh, fun is the key word that I think we end this on. The Heat are fun. Yes. This final twenty-eight game should be fun. That playoff, the playoffs should be fun. We are excited, and, and we'll talk plenty of Heat basketball on the pod from now until mid-April when the playoffs do begin. Heat get back to work thir- Thursday in Atlanta. Don't forget then, uh, Saturday, Cleveland in town, the D-Wade Jersey retirement game. It's Wade weekend, so we'll cover that. It'll be a lot of fun. Miami Heat head to the final 28 games. It's one of the top teams and most one of the most exciting teams in the NBA.